welcome to another edition of the Insert SEO Podcast, where we paint the town red with search marketing insights. This week, we have feature snippet of Fionnato. Nigel Stevens comes to talk anything and everything featured snippets. What tips to scale when Google chooses content for its feature snippets? How do you know? How to use featured snippets to understand keyword intent? And how should you structure your feature snippet strategy? And what did you expect from it? Plus, we look at the whole no-follow kerfuffle. What happened, what's going on, and what to make of it all. I am your host, Morty Oberson. I am joined by the resplendent, the lucent Sapir Carabello. Hello, Morty. We're still doing this. Hello, <laughs> yeah. Morty. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, and if you didn't listen to our episode two weeks ago or even last week, you won't know what that means and what that <laughs> reference is. So go back and listen to past episodes. Mm -hmm. So you know why Sapir is saying, hello, Morty. Right. Great. So I'm stuck with this. Yes. Oh, <laughs> Until <joy>. further notice. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. That's good. That's it? Yes. Nothing else? <laughs> I don't really care, but... Let's see. Let's see. Oh, do not forget, we put out a new episode of the In Search SEO podcast each and every Tuesday. You can find it on the Rank Ranger blog. You can find it on Stitcher, on Spotify, on SoundCloud, and of course, you may subscribe on iTunes. And do not forget, and we are still very much pushing, our free schema markup generator. All sorts of schema markup, how-to, FAQ... For free, create the code for free. Make schema markup easy with our schema markup generator. It's on the Rank Ranger homepage under resources. Check it out there. Oh, also have to plug one week from the release of this episode on September the 24th. If you are in the Tel Aviv area, Rank Ranger will be hosting a meetup with the Web Pals group. Um, you can check that out on Eventbrite and on the Rank Ranger Twitter account if you'll be there. So we'd love to see you. Come sign up before tickets run out. Oh, uh, once I'm plugging things, I might as well just keep going. I told them I would, so I'm going to do it. I am I, I am speaking at LavaCon 2019 in Portland, Oregon, the end of Oregon, if you're from Oregon. <laughs> Because we have some staff here from Oregon, and they said, "No, no, no it's not Oregon. It's Oregon. It's Oregon. <laughs> You're from Long Island. It's from Oregon. It's called Oregon." I'll be speaking there. I believe it is. Oh man, uh, October twenty eighth. You can look up lavacon.com, I believe, or just Google it. It's a great content marketing conference. I believe content marketing conferences go underneath the radar. You bit. believe? I believe they mm -hmm. do. I you think believe. I meant to say I think I feel. Okay, <laughs> I feel like content marketing conferences go under the SEO radar, but doesn't make any sense because what we do is content. Mm -hmm. So check out Lavacons. I'm trying to say, come hear me speak. Okay, thank Great. you. Because if you don't want to hear, if you're not sick of hearing me speak every week here, <laughs> pay lots of money and travel to Oregon to hear me speak. Right, Oregon, Morty. It's Oregon. It's Oregon. Okay, uh, before we get to Nigel Stevens. So one day last week, I was merrily going about my business, uh, as merrily as you would expect me to go about my business. So not merrily at all? Not merrily at all. <laughs> okay. Bitterly complaining <laughs> and freaking the freak out. No, just my normal That's stuff. more like you. <laughs> oh, I don't freak out. <laughs> um, so I was going about my day, actually more my evening, if I remember correctly, when all hell broke loose on Twitter, which is really annoying for my family when that happens. It's like, I'm like, oh, man, what's going on? I got to read this article now. What's happening? How, how do I make sense? My, my wife's like, you know, we have four kids, right? <laughs> like, yeah, okay, but Google, no. I don't care what Google did. We have four kids. I'm like, yeah, but Google, we have four children. So it was it was stressful for Priorities, me. Morty. Yeah, I went to uh, priorities, escape from the children. <laughs> Go read about Google. Oh, wow. Priorities. Okay, I, hope, so, I hope your, your wife is I'm not listening. I'm joking. She's not. And I told her, I, I told her by the way, I make, I make jokes all the time. Because mm. I know you don't listen. Oh, okay. And she's still not listening, so I can say whatever I want now, for real. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. Okay, so everyone was going nuts about Google's new no-follow attribute hinting, which is clearly what's hot in SEO. Red Hots! Get your Red Hots here! So here is the deal. On September 10th, Google dropped a bomb on us. The no-follow link attribute will no longer be a directive. It is now a hint. A what? A hint. 
It's a hint. <laughs> exactly. I have no idea, honestly, what a hint means exactly, mm-hmm. which is sort of the problem. Okay. Um, but before I get into that, basic facts first. Um, so if you're new to the industry or you don't keep up with the news or you live in a cave that resembles your parents' basement... <laughs> Google has introduced two new link attributes. One, a sponsored attribute, and two, a UGC, user-generated content attribute. One is for paid sponsorships, and one is for user-generated comments. Wow, that was profound. Wow. Such as your comment section on your blog. You still have one of those. Uh, okay, now for the kicker, though. Okay. The traditional no-follow link attribute directive used to avoid coming off like a link scheme or when linking to sites you're unsure of will only be a hint, not a directive, which has to be the most god-awful way you could possibly describe this. Okay, what, what does it mean to be a hint? I don't know exactly what the criteria is, but what it means is Google may see your no-follow attribute and say, yeah, we think this link should count. This should be factored into your site's ranking process or rankability, however you want to describe it. It's really not no-follow like it was before. Okay, so, uh, oh, plus, as of March 2nd, 2020, which is an easy date to remember because one day before my birthday, I expect you all to remember that. Yeah, subtle, subtly letting us know when is your birthday. Okay, I see what that you did there. That was not subtle. I said <laughs> one day before my birthday. I will forget. You know the worst gift? Okay, I have to say this. Okay, mm-hmm. like I've come from an interesting family. So one, this is the best story ever. <laughs> one year from my birthday when I was, um, I wasn't talking to my father so much for whatever reason, a little Morty family history. Mm-hmm. And for my birthday, you know what he got me? What? An adding machine. Even though that is an adding machine that I'm, sh- I'm confident he stole from his office. That was my birthday present. What What do you say? Yeah, yeah, I forget it. I know you don't know what an adding machine is, but for those of you at home or in your car or in the office who do know what an adding machine is, my father gave me one for my birthday that he stole from his office. That's my family for you. Okay. Um, so 2020 comes around, or when it does come around on March 2nd, the day before my birthday, Google will use the no-follow hint to decide if a page should be crawled and indexed. So a page from a nofollow link can be crawled and then indexed if Google thinks fit to do so. Now, if this is your first time hearing this, I will give you a minute to freak out, scream, tweet like a lunatic. I know I did. And in three, two, one, you're back with us. Okay. Now, the question is, why is Google doing this? So Google did give an official sort of statement, um, which I don't have in front of me. You have that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Go for it. Okay. Links contain valuable information that can help us improve search, such as how the words within links describe content they point at. Looking at all the links we encounter can also help us better understand unnatural linking patterns. By shifting to a hint model, we no longer lose this important information while still allowing site owners to indicate that some links shouldn't be given the weight of a first-party endorsement. Right. So, by the way, Bing has said they've always used hints. And now back to information that you actually care about. Okay. So, <laughs> there, there are two popular theories that I've, I've seen to sort of explain what's behind Google's statement. One is that publishers have developed the practice to automatically no-file the hell out of everything. I mean, like, the, you know, the major news publishers uh, and so forth. And that's creating an, um, an indexing issue for Google. I sort of get that one because in reality, um, a lot of things being no followed to a lot of sites. But at the same time, fine, I get that. Like, this, the, like linking is not how Google indexes content primarily. In fact, Google says don't, re- don't wait for links to be indexed. Like, submit your sitemap. So I don't understand that thing theories so much okay um the sec an- another theory is um that the r- issue is that by google no follow by google by the publishers no following all of these links so so many sites their their backlink profile is sort of incomplete and google doesn't have a great look at at the full backlink profile of any given site because so many news publishers are no following those links um so that one i understand a bit more I personally think there's more to it. I'm going to get to it in a second. Well, one is because even if that's the case, okay, where a website doesn't get so many links or it's rather its link profile is um, 
you know, muted a little bit because of the no follow links that it's 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 not that are not being counted towards this backlink profile from all these big major news publishers. It's hard to say that like Google doesn't have an understanding of the link profile the link profile of that site. I mean, for starters, you'd have to imagine that any normal site is getting what one, two, three links from all these big news publishers. Your average site that that's that are, that are relevant to news sites and getting links from all other sources. So okay, you're not getting the link from the CNN, you're not getting the link from the CBS, but you're getting it from all these other new, other websites so Google does have an understanding of your backlink profile. There ha I'm sure there are websites that are creating content that's primarily relevant to the news publishers. Maybe you're the AP or something like that. So yeah, in that scenario, all these nofollow links are going to severely hinder Google's ability to understand your backlink profile. Fine. I just think there's a lot more to it. There are a few conspiracy theories behind this, by the way. Um, I have one. Which uh, I, yeah, which I'll, which I'll get to. Shocking. Yeah, shocking. Um, the other one is, um, it's conspiratorial, I'll say, um, but it's nothing crazy like we haven't seen before. You know what? I'm just going to read it from um, the horse's mouth himself. Okay. Okay. One of our avid fans, I have a whole, I have a whole intro for this. Okay. okay. He is an SEO expert. He is the CEO of a large SEO agency. He is a diehard baseball fan, by the way. I have never met a bigger, more fantastic baseball fan than this man. He really loves all things baseball, knower of all statistics, knower of all rules, lover of the game of baseball. Sounds not the to LML. me like you find your soulmate. Yes. Mm -hmm. He loves <laughs> baseball more than any other person I've ever met. Not the Eli Melech. He is the CEO of um, SEO Israel, and he said as follows. He said, is Google trying to milk SEOs for more data by creating two new link properties? Meaning, you have the sponsor link and you have the UGC attribute, and now if, you, if sites use those, Google will get more data upon what kind of links you're using. Now, there is a problem with this in that there's no incentive to use the sponsored or the UGC attributes, which is another problem altogether. SEOs were vocal about this, and Gary from Gary Elias from Google responded to this. You can read it online, but there really is no incentive to like. Why am I going to use a sponsored attribute versus a no follow? And Danny Sullivan said, "Yo, well, you're going to help us understand things better. Why wouldn't you want to do that? Blah blah blah." But SEOs aren't going to do this for the greater good. Mm. Okay. So that is one. That, by the way, that's not a crazy idea. What Nati's saying, I think, if I remember correctly, Rand Fishkin has a whole um, podcast interview from like years ago where he talks about that how Penguin was originally structured. The Penguin algorithm, the, the famous Penguin, was originally set up in a way that would help Google get data from from websites, hmm. from site owners. Okay, um, and you can. I, I don't. I, I'll try to find the link for that and put it into the blog post for this podcast. I don't know if I'll be successful or if I'll have enough time to do it. But you can you can rummage around the internet yourself and look for it. It's a really great podcast. Okay, I think it was a podcast interview. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was. I'm rambling at this point. Anyway, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what's weird to me though? Okay, let's get back onto my conspiracy theory. Other than your outfit today. Other than my what am I wearing today? That's so weird. I don't know. You just. Look weird, weird in thing. general. I, yeah. I just look weird in general. <laughs> that is so insulting. Too honest? Too honest. Did you really think that? It wasn't a joke? <laughs> no, 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 you're making me... I look weird? <laughs> no, Morty. Wow. I was joking. You look weird. <laughs> you look weird. Weirdly good. <laughs> That's so pathetic. <laughs> yeah, you keep... Yeah. <laughs> Keep building up your self-esteem with that, you know. I will. I look good. I'm good, <laughs> I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. I'm People like me. Um, okay, you know what's weird to me? What? Other than me? Yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> um, is that Google's statement? We want to analyze anchor text and, and link practices, yada, yada, yada. I get it. But what in the world does that have to do with using links as part of the ranking picture? What, Google can't analyze anchor text and linking practices? Even crawl the link page? Even index it and not consider me linking to that page as a, quote, first party endorsement as something that should be part of my ranking picture. No, they can do that. So I don't understand that part of it. It makes no sense to me. And I, and I just, okay, my SEO intuition is telling me something is here. And I'm, there's Your spidey senses. Yes, my spider sense is tingling. <laughs> It's mainly from what I ate for lunch. <laughs> oh my God. But it's tingling. 
and, and, and it's, I can't put my finger on it. There have been many others. It's not just me. I know. I was like wondering, is it just me? Am I missing something here? Do I am I am I not getting something? But there have been others online. Andrew optimized. You know, sorts of people in the Twitterverse who've said the same thing. Something just seems kind of weird here, and I cannot put my finger on it exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay, but I will say two things that okay. I can't put my finger on. Okay, one. Worst rollout ever. <laughs> like, for real? Oh, here's a hint. It's going to be a hint. Here comes the hint. <laughs> like, you, you, can't, you can't leave things vague and fuzzy like that and not expect people to go, Oh, my God, Google's using it as a hint and the whole world's falling apart and I live in a van down by the river. Chris Farley reference, which you I don't know no what idea I'm talking about. What you're talking okay, about. Uh, come on. Okay, what exactly is the hinting process? When will it? When will this link count towards my 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 profile? When will it not be part of my ranking picture? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you know? No, no one knows because Google hasn't specified that. All right. So now, what if I see a bunch of weird sites linking to me with a no follow directive? So do I have to disavow them now? Now, John Mueller did come out a few days later. And said, no, you don't have to worry about disavowing things. But that should have been very clear at the outset. Here's what's going to happen. Here's when we may count it. Here's when we may, we, we know when we're not going to count it as part of your ranking picture. We, obviously, there's going to be cases that we can't define, yada, yada, yada. But in general, here's what we're trying to do. And here's what we're not trying to do. So now you have a general understanding of what we're trying to do with the hinting thing and what we're not trying to do with hinting. But as of now, I have no idea. Do you have any idea? No, you have no idea. Of course you don't. Okay? With these things, you have to be clear. Vague answers about anchor text? Really? This is about anchor text? This is about anchor text as, as, as much as my hair loss is me like trying to look like Captain Picard when I get old. <laughs> I am not trying to on purpose look like Captain Picard. It's just to happening to me. Okay. Engage. <laughs> there has to be transparency, and and this does not come off as being transparent. There's just something here that just bothers me. I will say, okay, here's my little conspiracy theory about this very quickly. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Google has a thing for the nofollow attribute where it's like, okay, we got you nofollow, great. But either you either follow it or you don't link to it. Okay, imagine it like this, okay? Imagine a, a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, before this whole hinting thing <laughs> hit the world. Yeah. So you have your – and this has happened to me before. I'm writing an article. I'm trying to research something very specific. And after hours and hours and hours of looking and looking and looking, I find something that some site talks about this, okay? I don't know who this site is from a hole in the wall. I could do research. Yeah, you, okay, but something about this site gives me a weird feeling, Okay. It's just the UI, the UX, it's something about it makes me feel like, mm, can I really trust this site? So I will, at times, quote the article, link to it, and no follow it. Mm-hmm. Right? And I will say this. Like, I will, I'll write up in my article. Like, this one website said this, you know, take with a grain of salt, yada, yada, yada. But I'll no follow it. Yeah, all right, no problem. I'll link to it. You can read it, and I'll just no follow it, right? Because right. I'm not so sure about this website. Mm-hmm. Okay, fast forward to right now. What do you do? Do you still link to that site? I don't know because I don't I don't know if Google's going to say, you know what? Hint time. Hinting time is here. It's hinting season. And we're going to count this link that you no follow to. That you use a no follow for and we're going to count as part of your ranking picture. And I don't really want that. Mm-hmm. So now what do I do? I will I might very well say, you know what? Forget I'm not, and I'm, I'm not going to use this link. So it creates in my mind a scenario where it's more likely that you'll either not use bad links or links that you're suspect of. I want to call them bad links. Links that you're suspect of. And you'll just rely on super authoritative links that will be followed. Where you don't have to worry about the whole no follow thing. So I have this theory that Google's sort of prepping the earth for using less no follows. Using less links altogether where you're not entirely sure whether you should or shouldn't link and just going with those links you're very, very certain of and just going with the follow. It's an interesting theory. It is an interesting theory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's (laughs) all I'm going to say about that. 
Well, lovely ranting, as usual. Thank you, Morty. You're welcome. How about me, we move on to the interview? How about we move on to the interview with Nigel Stevens, mm. who was amazing to talk to. Has the best avatar in the whole world, by the way. So you should look him up on LinkedIn and check out that avatar. Or on the pages that we link to where he is the CEO and founder. And you can see his avatar there. Okay. I'm um, just going to get into it then, yeah? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> They're giving me the creeps. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Without further ado and without further weird rambling on, here is my interview with the great Nigel Stevens. Cut one. Welcome to another In Search SEO podcast interview session. Today we have an industry speaker, author, and featured snippet aficionado. He is the CEO of Organic Growth Marketing. He is Nigel Stevens. Welcome. Thanks. Great to be here. I've never heard myself described exactly as a featured snippet aficionado. I think I might have to <laughs> borrow that one for the future. No problem. It's all yours. Just, you know, once in a while, give me a little bit of like, you know, a, like a... A finder's fee, a shout out once in a while for, for coming up with it. <laughs> I got you, man. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, so you got to tell me first off, what is organic growth marketing and who did your amazingly awesome avatar? <laughs> <laughs> well, I like to say that I, first of all, I went to the finest, the, the, the mountains in Italy and found the perfect stone and had it carved. And from there... I had it digitally rendered, but really I found this guy on Fiverr ah. for about six U.S. dollars. And then he, once he did mine, he did it for my whole team. So yeah, I'm happy to share the link on that one. Best, and, uh, best six bucks ever spent. <laughs> oh yeah, it's hard to calculate the ROI on that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're a small team and we work with select clients. A lot of it is in the B2B SaaS space, but also some B2C software such as Unsplash, the photo site, and music analytics tool called SoundCharts, and then also a little bit of e-commerce as well. So, and focusing mostly on content, SEO, and organic acquisition, and all the weird things that fall in between those channels. Awesome. Okay. Well, let's get right into a featured snippets. I always like to start off with a, you know, a very introductory sort of question so that we're all on the same page here. So what are featured snippets? Who do they impact vis-a-vis um, -vis search? And how have they sort of developed or evolved as time has gone on here? Cool. So I think the exact answer to the question is it's a type of rich result where Google pulls an answer from a top-ranking web page into position zero, meaning there's historically position one, was the top ranking result and it used to be straightforward. And now it's the thing they pull up top and it usually even appears above other content such as map packs and other rich results. And over time, I've seen it evolve a lot where it used to be just more very basic Q&A, like what time does the Super Bowl start kind of thing. Right. And now it's gotten very advanced where it's lists of different options, comparing things. I've even seen some product pages that are targeted to intent keywords getting featured snippets, which I'm sure whenever I see those, I just want to high five the SEO person <laughs> over there, whether it was intentional or not, because the the revenue jump on that must be quite perceptible. But uh, yeah, and I know this is also something you've thought about as well and written about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it, there's there's so much to talk about. I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into it. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> so Leslie, let's start off with, um, I'll call it featured snippet URL custody. As a child of a divorced family, that's how I think about it. Um, <laughs> that's, that's horrible. So basically, um, a lot of the time I found that you have a, uh, a situation where there's basically two URLs that Google's you know, considering for the feature snippet and about 75% of the time, one URL is being used in the feature snippet for a given keyword and 25% of the time, the other feature snippet sort of gets visitation rights within the, uh, the featured snippet. <laughs> Why is that? Why not just show the main URL 100% of the times? Is Google testing something? Is it just about diversity? What, what's going on there, do you think? Yeah, so like everything with SEO, what we can do is take the very obfuscated possibly false information Google tells us and then form our own theories. So this is a fusion of that based on my own observations. But I think it's primarily two factors. One is the always be testing motive. I remember I read a book from the first marketer ever at Google and something he talked about was how 
the, the way they first started doing different logos was he was like, what happens if we make a logo pink? Like, which I think is important to say because this is the type of company we're talking about where they literally test everything and that's always going to be the answer to why is Google changing anything. It's, they want to know and especially further down SERPs and on page two, they're always looking to get any data to validate where they can move you up. And then once you're on a page one, they're not going to be content with, okay, this is the snippet forever. They're going to want to keep testing. So that's the first principle. And the second one is freshness, which you probably saw in the news. I think it was that Google confirmed maybe two weeks ago about freshness being a factor in snippets, which it is overall. And it just totally makes sense. And I've talked about this with friends before they made an announcement, because why would Google want to embarrass itself by displaying out-of-date information? So the fact that it's testing and then also just trying to make sure that there's freshness. And between those two factors, there's always going to be something to test and change. Right. So the freshness thing is really interesting. They started, they, they admitted they started rolling out in February, something like that. And we're, we're recording this in the beginning of August and they're only telling us about it now. But it, I, I have to ask, maybe you have an opinion about this or not. I think the freshness part is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, that seems to be like very easy to sort of do, just a matter of finding newer content um, and putting it into the feature snippet. But so many things have changed. If you think back to the last five, six months with feature snippets, uh, you have all sorts of ancillary um, feature snippet elements in there now. You have people also as showing up in there, more images. You have, um, I, I, I think, more queries that you would not expect the snippet to show up for. For example, one of the things I saw was, I used to run this like every day for a while. Search engine and put in an article. And then I run a I run a query the next day for that article. I knew like the article is going to show up. The, the result is going to show up is totally going to be the feature snippet. I'm sorry, the the search engine land article because I totally geared the query for that. And within hours, there's a featured snippet showing up. So is it a freshness algorithm? Or is there something else going on there? That's a really good question. I think there's two elements to it. There's sort of freshness in terms of making like freshness with evergreen content, making sure that even if it's kind of evergreen, that the result that shows up isn't out of date. So if you're looking up, I don't know, sales tools, it's not showing a bunch of sales tools from 2003, but it's actually showing a list of ones that are recent that are going to be a good result. And the other thing is kind of, and I think you may have talked about this on a recent podcast with search where how Google's kind of trying to be more of also combining like a news feed and the front page of Facebook. And something I've noticed with especially like content marketing or anything topical is publishing an article and getting it on and it gets onto page one within hours and it's on there for a few days. And then once the sort of topical freshness wears off, you have to work your way back up the search results for evergreen. And that's where you have to sort of look at the snippets and the top results for the intent to see how much is this driven by freshness and how much is it of it is just having evergreen content is up to date. Like if you search Donald Trump, it's going to be different results every day because it's totally, Google's determined that the intent there isn't autobiographical. It's show me the latest thing that's going to get people to yell at each other about Donald Trump. <laughs> that's a really good person. That's a really funny joke, but um, <laughs> that's a really good point in general when you're considering your your featured snippet strategy, if you want to call it that. It's like, it's a great point. What, what kind of content are you writing? Are you writing fresh content? Which is the case... You should expect it's like in the news box. You're in one day, you're out the next day. That's a really hard sort of uh, keyword to optimize for. I mean, can you really build a, a SERP feature or a feature snippet strategy around keywords where you know it's going to change from week to week, day to day kind of thing? Yeah, good. So I think there's some things like, for example, I work with a company that they do some, they, they do a lot of marketing around travel and they want to rank for X credit cards. And like best X credit cards. And that needs to be topically fresh. And when you look at the top results for like best whatever type of like travel credit cards, the, like similar queries, you see that all of those pages are updated every month. So what it tells you is that the intent remains the same, which is show me the best credit cards for this. But in July, that could change from June because the offer is completely changed. So it's an underlying principle that's reinforced by freshness, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it, it's a great idea for your content in general. If you're, if you're dealing with that sort of content, to make sure it's updated. Um, I guess it's sort of, the two sort of uh, marry there. Let me, let me ask you in general, though, outside of freshness and that sort of thing, you're talking about evergreen content. What sort of tips to scale when it comes to Google choosing one, one piece of content versus another piece of content for a feature snippet? They're both quality. They're both great. They're both whatever. 
Is there any way of knowing? Is it, in a sense, arbitrary from our perspective? Yeah. So, I mean, ultimately, again, I feel like this is a disclaimer I always give with SEO. It's it's ultimately arbitrary in some way because I'm seeing what happens in search results and developing hypotheses and beliefs based on that, which is inherently arbitrary. But right. what I try to do is is learn from the featured snippets and then think, what can I do that's similar? And then what can I do to differentiate? So if, a lot of the time, if you sometimes... Like if you look at a term, and I don't know, I'm gonna pull a really random example of full spectrum. I think it was yeah, like full spectrum CBD. And at one point, the snippet was you could see that the intent was tell me how full spectrum CBD compares to broad spectrum CBD. And I was working with a company, and they didn't really have a section in their content that that defined and compared them. So looking at the intent is okay. How do I compare? How do I take? How do I define? topic a and compare it to topic b and then i just did it with a little bit and i cited another source within there and i did it with a little bit more detail submitted it to google within a day i had a featured snippet and that helped for a while and like many featured snippets it got lost but it, <laughs> the, i think the underlying process is see what see what the current snippet is and then make a hypothesis on it like this make this kind of matches and this i think this matches intent I'm going to do something similar but slightly different. And sometimes I've gotten snippets by doing something that's very different. Like it was a definition and I added a table and I thought, okay, if I add a definition and a table, one of these might get pulled. And to my surprise, the table got pulled and I didn't even have a precedent for that. But I just made a hypothesis that if I gave multiple relevant snippet worthy sections on the page that one could get pulled. Right. And, 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 and it is like 70 layers of truth, so to speak. There's so many different things you can focus on, so many things that may work, may not work, or they all might work, and they all might work at different times, different moments. It's not like one unified theory that you're able to, to figure out here. I mean, maybe Google has one, maybe they don't have one. I think since they're using machine learning, they don't have a unified theory here. I think it all depends on context or the day of the week or the hour of the day. I have no idea. Um, but you have a whole theory about this, right? You have a whole theory about using the feature snippet to determine user intent. So how does that work? Yeah. Oh boy, do I have to. Uh, um, so. <laughs> That's what, which is why I'm having you on the show, by the way, because very few people have actual theories. You're like, I have five tips to score feature snippets that are totally linear and boring. Yeah. So one thing I noticed that was really interesting that I see still some of is I call it, what did I call it again? Like a, a like a, a double stack snippet where. Google actually shows like two snippets on top of each other. Right, the multifaceted feature snippets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That, that's the formal term. I, I'm in the process of trying to trademark my, Ooh, my own name. Okay. So work, work, work with me on that one. Uh, we're, trying but, to, um, we're trying to unify terms yeah. here and unify theories. That, like, you know, <laughs> we call it this, everyone calls it that. You're, come on, we got to get together. I'll call it fine. We'll, we'll all call it stack feature snippets. It's much easier to spell than multifaceted. <laughs> All right, there you go. Yeah. Plus one for, for double one. stack features. Right. Any, anyway, before we digress further into sorry, that. Sorry, so sorry, sorry. I noticed that oftentimes those are complementary and they don't stick for a certain query. And to me, that's a blatant example of Google testing, okay, what is the number one intent behind this? And something I've seen, seen that's fascinating is sometimes, you know those queries where all you get is listicle examples. It's like 10 of those. And sometimes all you get is what is X definition of X? And then on other ones, you get a broad mix and it seems that Google's figured out, okay, there's a mix of intent here. So then you use the snippet as a guiding force to determine what needs to be on the page. One query I was looking at just yesterday that reminds me of this is CMMS stands for computerized maintenance management system. It's kind of like a base camp or a sauna for maintenance people. And good to know the snippet is Right, it's so <laughs> random. Uh, the snippet is a what is type definition, but a lot of the pages that rank are landing pages that are trying to sell you something. And what it tells me, based on looking at the snippet and the results, is people need a little bit of education, but you don't need to write a book on this. Like it's not like those those results where HubSpot and a bunch of other SaaS companies each rank with like a five thousand word article. It's just define what this is. But then also you can make it very direct response CTA driven. And in other, and it doesn't mean that your whole article needs to be about that, but you can also hit on, you can have one type of intent that you optimize for on the page and on the title tag. And to that point, I think title tags are also very important because 
if a page has multiple types of intent, you want to hit on those different types of intent within the title tag. So say like, what is this? And then add in, you know, like strategies, examples, whatever. And if the query is broad enough, you can actually rank well for all of those and get multiple snippets. So, and then sorry, one last example is I know Big, Big Commerce has a page on drop shipping companies. It's a big list of drop shipping companies, but it's also segmented by type. So like, here's our list of all drop shipping companies. And then here's shoes and jewelry and different ones. And it ranks for a bunch of those different variations, like shoe drop shippers, jewelry drop, like whatever. And it tells you that the intent is that we don't need one page for each one of these. It's that if you have good site links and you provide a clear answer to each one of these related questions, the same page can rank with different snippets. So I think it's an oversimplification to say like one page can have one snippet and one intent. I always try to see how can I do more with fewer pages. That's a great, great, great point. There's so many good points I want to talk to you about there. But yeah, the the idea of multiple intents, because there's multiple intents ranking on any given SERP. It's not just what's showing in the feature snippet, but to rank number two, to rank number three, whatever it is, it could be a totally different intent. How does that factor in, though? How do you do that? How far can you go with that? In other words, um, you can have different intents that are very, very, very far apart from each other that show up on the same SERP. How do you sort of know how far to go and how far not to go? Yeah. So there's a bit of a, a chicken and egg problem where if all you do is 100% base what you do on the existing SERP, it's, is the existing SERP awesome and all I can do is do something like this slightly better or is there nothing better out there? And then I have to make a hypothesis of, I think that the current intent is not being fulfilled well. And this is where we go completely into arbitrary you need to make an assertion but i've had success doing this where so i'm actually i'm working with a very early stage health company right now and i was looking at uh, i can't remember the exact query but it was like you know there's sort of high level like i don't know like what is uh uti or something like that and then there's and that's uh, obviously for many reasons not the best example to dive into too many <laughs> exact details on but there's all these specific questions you can have for that and i was searching specific ones and for one of them there was a snippet that hardly addressed it, and the top five results didn't even really address that specific question. So I could look at the intent. If I just say that in the, the current SERPs 100% represent intent, it says people don't have this question, but that's absurd because right. it had volume, and there just weren't any good answers to it. So the hypothesis I made is if we make a page on this, we continue to build up our domain and be seen as trustworthy, we can leapfrog all of these because – we have a better result that trumps all of the current ones because they don't actually do a great job answering the question. This is where the art and science of SEO comes in, where you have to make a subjective call on, am I going to do what everybody else is doing? Or am I going to make a hypothesis that diverges from what I currently see based on a hypothesis around user intent? Yeah, I, first off, I'm a theory person, so I would definitely go with the theory. But this is a good point that I think is not um, verbalized or uh, accepted enough in the industry. There's only a certain amount, or only to a certain point, can you go and say, okay, here I know X. At a certain point, you don't know. And it, it is what it is. You've got to take a leap of faith, so to speak. That would be too Kierkegaardian here about that. Um, one of the things, to, what, two points I want to hit on really, really quickly. One is the idea of H2s and headings and all that sort of thing being important. I'm so split on this because on the one hand, Google has advanced so far that how could it how could it rely so much on headings but on the other hand it very much seems that it does i mean there there are still so many list featured snippets that that just is just h3 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 or h2 whatever it is all the way through and that's what's showing up in the list i don't know how to how do you think about this how far i i I just don't know i'll admit it so split here (laughs) so like so many things in seo I think sometimes like people like to write trends articles about how advanced Google is. And it's like two things can be true. Google can be very advanced and be able to split through content to find exact things. And it can still really like being spoon fed content. Like I still see even on a broader basis, I see sites all the time doing shady stuff. I was looking at one, I won't name it like five minutes before this. I can't believe this is ranking high. It's going to get slapped at some point. Anybody who studies search, sees this all the time. It's one of those things where I see, I saw, I've seen some examples where in one snippet, it looks like in the snippet that it's from one section of the page, but Google's actually pulling out bolded sections and like mishmashing parts of the page together. And I see that, I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. 
But then most SERPs come down to having like H2 name of list, H3, H3, H3 sublist. So yeah. I think the, the guiding principle is Google, like Google doesn't need to see headers to understand. Like I'm sure as part of their algorithm is if sites aren't using H2s and they're just bolding instead, it's probably a subhead. But when you spoon feed it to them, they understand it better. When I've seen definition snippets where people don't say, what is X? X is blah, blah, blah. It's important because blah, blah, blah. Those get pulled. You're still more likely to get it pulled if you do it in the right format. So it's like everything. Google is very advanced and it can do advanced things, but it's still going to rely on the basics and usually sort of search speculator people. That, like, when you want to make a bold statement at a conference, it's easier <laughs> to say that H2s and H3s don't matter anymore than right. the truth, which is, well, Google's pretty smart, but they're still using this stuff to determine a lot of their rankings and content. First off, good point on the on the on the conference um, <laughs> snippets, for lack of a better word. Uh, there's there's definitely a lot of that going on, but it's it's a good point. I think we had Dan Petrick on I don't know a while ago already, and we're talking about Google algorithm updates and how the algorithm is working. He says one of the things people don't consider is that Google wants to save resources. So true. So if you're going to spoon feed, it's a good point. It's a great answer. If you're going to spoon feed it and it knows that you can rely on your site and your all these like, all the other boxes are checked off, then yeah, why wouldn't it? It's a great point. Uh, I want to jump back into something you mentioned also was the variations in the in the in the queries and the feature symbols that show up. Why do you think that is? For example, if I search for a how to throw a curveball versus if I search for ways to throw a curveball, I get a totally different featured snippet and I get a totally different format. In one case, I get a paragraph format. In the other case, I get a list format. What's up with that? And that's another one where you have to look at it and say, okay, from a content strategy perspective, are we going to assume that these are separate because they're totally different questions that have nothing to do with each other? Exactly. Or are we going to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, this is stupid. I don't know why these two have completely separate answers. I'm going to try to break. Like, I remember one example I worked on was I saw that a lot of that there was, this was years ago, that there were a lot of separate results for e-commerce KPIs and e-commerce metrics. And there was only maybe one page that ranked for both. I was like, you know what, if I'm going with all the data, it's make separate pages. Mm -hmm. But I think if you just rank for both, if you just optimize for both, sort of define how you compare both terms and then use both within the text. You can rank for both. And since then, a lot the results have become a lot more consolidated. So it's one where I would look at the results and see, it, by looking at existing results, is it because the existing results for both don't, talk, don't optimize for how-to in ways in terms of actual usage? And maybe how-to is a is more of a straightforward answer and ways is a list. And if I optimize the title tag for both and I include both both sections in the content, my first bet would be to go for that and try to get one page. And then after a month or so, depending on how fast I can typically rank, if one, is, if one term is not ranking and I think that that's a really important term for my business, I'll spin off another page. But I'll usually go with the hypothesis of we think one really great page that has site links where users can get to the right answer can rank for both. And I'd rather be proven wrong on that than go with a 2004 SEO strategy of here's 10 keywords with 11 unique pages. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't like 2004 SEO strategies anymore? For shame. <laughs> um, is, let me ask you, are you saying that because it, that's what your belief is or just a matter of scale? Like there's no way you're going to be able to create so many multiple pages and so many multiple keywords. It's both. Both. It's, okay. it, it's, I think that we can answer it. It's, we think we can provide a better user experience by not having, because if you even think outside of SEO, if you, if I'm, if somebody goes to my blog and sees how to throw a curveball and ways to throw a curveball, again, I would make the hypothesis that it's two sides of the same coin and it's a poor UX and maybe Google will evolve. And then on the resourcing side, it's a lot easier to write one page with two sections than in each new page, page of content, you need to provide a little bit of context. So if if on each page you, you end up explaining the history of curveballs or whatever you determine is good context, then that just doesn't make sense So and from a resourcing perspective. So for both, I'd always say, how can I get the most out of the fewest pieces of content and then be proven that I need a new one? rather than assume I need a new one for right. each one. By the way, people think this is like uh, some sort of like great advancement in Google that it's going to show you a different URL for how-to versus ways to. I think it's a flaw. It's, but I'm satisfied with either one of them. Like either one is fine. Whatever it is, just show me one. I don't see any difference between the two of them. I, I think that 
hopefully at least, Google will get better at consolidating what these terms actually mean into one um, into one understanding so you only have one URL showing up for both. But I don't know how far away we are from that. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a really, really important underlying principle because you can either be not data driven and say, we think we should have these articles based on nothing or, oh, well, it looks like these in current search results, these have unique intent according to Google. So I'm going to create them. Like Google is this, it's easy to get boxed into your own little lane of you, you get mesmerized by the same 20 keywords and forget that Google is managing all the world's information and it's an incredibly hard task. And a lot of the time the results are just something that's going to get improved upon. You can kind of foreshadow how intent is going to be consolidated and be one of the leaders instead of being a follower. Exactly. It's so important to think, okay, where are things going? Where are things heading? What are the problems that Google's going to have to solve and trying to get ahead of that curve? Um, even if it doesn't always work out, when the times that it does work out, that's definitely a major advantage in my opinion. Um, let me jump a little bit something a little bit of controversial for a second. So we always think of feature snippet URLs as you know it's the most qualitative page. It, it really you know hits user intent and all these sort of wonderful things that make a page awesome. But how much is it is it that that's producing the feature snippet URL versus okay for for all of our purposes we're, I'm Google and I have all these other ulterior things that I'm trying to do with feature snippets. I'm trying to make myself look as an like like an authority. I'm trying to provide voice search answers, which in my opinion goes into them looking like an authority. How much of what shows up in the in the zero position box is based on quality of the content versus okay this helps us look like an authority or this helps us do X. Yeah, well, let's take it one step further. Google's a public company with shareholders. Their job, strictly speaking, isn't to serve user intent. It's to sell ads with rising CPCs. Like, this is an indisputable yes. fact. And I don't think you need to verge far into conspiracy territory now. I do believe right, conspiracy that theory. To- Google has yeah. to make money. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> like, that's not exactly groundbreaking. And at the same time, sometimes I see... Like, oh, like, am I, I'm not getting organic results because I don't pay for something. And I don't believe that's true. But at the end of the day, Google is trying to, their job is to keep people on the surf until they click an ad. That's the, and they also need to retain users by providing good results. But they're always trying to optimize for those, those two things. And why wouldn't they? They're a public company that needs to return, like, steadily increasing gains to their shareholders. So, and this is also where intent comes in because if the if you search what time does the Super Bowl start, you don't need to read like who's playing in the Super Bowl, who's the quarterback, them versus them, what is Vegas saying the odds are going to win, like sort of standard SEO content research every single question. You're fulfilling the intent by not clicking. And there's other ones where it's more where you, you're teasing out like if somebody searches customer engagement and they're completely satisfied by customer engagement is blah, blah. It's fine if they don't click because they're not your customer, but you're still like, I've seen queries similar to that get snippets and get huge traffic boosts. Right. So I think, I think it's a combination of intent and the type of user you have and how much depth there is to the query or question. Right. Well, for the Super Bowl question, it's just they're just going to show you the Patriots because there's no point in showing you who's going to win, who's playing. <laughs> it's just the Patriots. They won. And that's an incontroversial, incontroversial statement. That's yeah, just a fact. Unfortunately, unless you're a Patriot fan, which it's great for you, <laughs> cheaters. Um. Anyway, uh, <laughs> let's ju- let's jump over. If I deflated my balls, that didn't come out right. Um. <laughs> oh man. All right. Hope there are no kids listening to this. Let's jump on to mobile versus desktop featured snippets. And one of the things I'm working on now, which I've been meaning to work, finish this off and publish this for, for months already, um, is the idea of the different URLs that show up on desktop versus mobile. From what I've seen so far, I haven't finished things off. So take this with a grain of salt and don't scream at me if I got it wrong because I didn't finish yet. 90% of the time, the, the URL on mobile is also the URL on desktop. What about the other ten percent of the time? Why? So why not just show the same URL on both? Is 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 intent that different across the devices? Saying, and 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 my approach to that wouldn't be why not show the same URL a hundred percent of the time. It would be why are they even similar so much of the time? Because Ooh, okay, okay. Like one thing, one thing you notice, especially with any type of company, is they say, oh, like half our half our traffic is mobile, but it doesn't convert as well. And this is where marketers aren't 
thinking like human beings. They're thinking like, oh, like how do I turn how do I turn page views into conversions or whatever? Like think about when you're using your phone versus when you're using your desktop. And if Google's job is to try to help you fulfill intent, which doesn't mean does it answer my question? It's do I get what I'm looking for here? So if I'm looking to sign up for something, do I get that? And then think about the experience of mobile versus desktop. And then think about how these two are going to evolve. So right now, it's it's usually way more difficult to do something on your phone versus on your desktop. This is totally anecdotal sample size of one, but all the time. No, I think two, I like, agree. Like, I'm just, right? Yeah. I'm just going to wait till I get on my computer because it's yeah, going to yeah. be a pain in the ass on my phone. So if Google's trying to help you do what you're trying to do, why would they give you the same results mm, for both? Point. Like, okay. One would be if so if one if the results of one thing want you to take an action and you're less likely to take it on your mobile, I would posit that over time, unless mobile rapidly catches up to desktop and user experience, which it will over time, I don't know how fast, the Google would better segment between am I, do I just want to check a quick answer or do I want to read something? Because I mean, sometimes you're you know, you're commuting or something and you're able to read something, but a lot of the time, you know, you're sitting at dinner with friends and someone's like who was the quarterback of the Seahawks in 2004? Was it Matt Hasselback or had he left yet? I don't remember. You're not trying to read some long-form Sports Illustrated expose about the Seahawks quarterback <laughs> controversy. But, and it, so I, I'm, I'm saying this partially anecdotal, but then it's also database because when you look at how different, like a, a metric like conversion on different devices, it shows that people interact differently and Google's going to show different results based on how people interact. And that's the... That's the whole premise of this conversation, I think, is user intent, and it varies by device. That's interesting. Um, well, w- one thing is, do you think that going forward, so I, that makes a lot of sense, that mobile feature snippets will be will be almost like direct answers at a certain point, if that's what, if, assuming that you don't want to use your phone to navigate because it is a pain in the ass, so just serve it with the direct answer. If you don't have the content, so just make the feature snippet into all but a direct answer. I'd say yes, but then also, how will marketers and websites evolve? So... Right now, if you're trying to have the same engagement or micro-conversion experience, then it might not make sense. But I don't know. Like, There's even stuff I've thought about testing, like send this to me to read later. Or, or just instead of like pushing a micro-conversion, mm-hmm. like if you want to read more stuff like this, like sign up. Or even a stuff like, and I think this will become more and more important, is stuff like the jump to links, where if right. I'm on my device and I'm less likely to have patience and time, I can better click on what I'm looking for and find it. So how you can actually help people find information quicker based on the hypothesis that on mobile, people want to find stuff quicker and they don't have as much time to spend on stuff. Yeah, that'd be a great thing. I don't think they'll get it yet. I don't think we're there yet, but maybe in a year from now to see how many links are jump links on desktop versus how many are jump links on mobile. That's a great point. Let me ask you to follow up on that original question about desktop versus mobile. One of the things I noticed was that there are times where there is no featured snippet. There's the, the 90% that I mentioned to you only includes times where there is both a featured snippet on desktop and mobile. But there's a good chunk of time where there might be a desktop feature snippet and then nothing on mobile or vice versa. What, same question, just different different take on that. Why would you show a feature snippet on one device and then not show on another device? Because I understand what you're saying about intent, and the intent is different and so forth, but it can't, it can't be that far off where you would show a snippet on desktop and then not one on mobile at all. Yeah, so anecdotally, like that wouldn't make sense to me either. So again, this is the type of thing where yes. if you assume that Google is this all-knowing, all-seeing, infallible being, and you're like, what is the reason for this? Like, <laughs> Maybe it's because they haven't figured out a better way to do it yet, or maybe it's because they tested it. And they saw that by whatever metric for that type of intent or query, it wasn't being fulfilled. So maybe on desktop, if they determine that, okay, people want to read here and they're clicking through, we'll try it. And then on mobile, the opposite was the case. So they wouldn't try it. But then it's something I have a feeling that nobody at Google has a very great answer to that. And they're continually trying to figure it out. But I think it's a good question. I'd be curious to monitor those numbers over time. And I think the, That's a good point. the kind of in-depth analysis you're doing on this is really helpful for everybody. Thanks. I appreciate that. Um, I, I, I think the theories that you have are very helpful because no one has theories. Everyone just has tips. <laughs> if, I, if I see another blog post, but five more tips, how to optimize for the feature snippet, I'm going to jump off a cliff. Um, or I'm going to push <laughs> Why only five? Why not 50? Anyway, okay. So with all of that, 
And after your great analysis and after all your great theories, I have a ridiculous question for you. I call it optimize it or just devour it. It's this little little thing that we do here. If you're familiar with the show, you know what it is. If you're not, here's what it is. It's basically where I'm going to give you two options. And two either really good options or two really bad options, and you're stuck. You're either choosing one good option over another good option, or you're... You're going to choose between two crappy options, and of course, that just sucks. So this is the Nigel Stevens version of Optimize It or Disavow It. So zero sum, right? You can only do one. What's that? I said, let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. This is so exciting for me. It's the best part of the show. So you get zero sum. It's like this is the way it works. I mean, you could say everything depends, but that's a cop out. But if you only have the choice to do one or the other one, and the choice you have is you can either optimize for a ton of long tail, low search volume keywords, or you can try to optimize for that one big fish. Which one do you work on? I think this says a lot about some not to get existential. I think it says a lot about somebody's underlying philosophy. It's kind of like, okay. do you do do you do you buy that one stock you're all sure of, or do you put or do you set aside the money into the index fund? And ultimately, I like taking chances and going for the big one. So I'm going for the big fish, partially because I think if you ran a probability and payoff analysis, it would be worth it. But also because I still love the rush when for a high volume query, you just see that go up and you look at the traffic and there's nothing like it where it's like, yeah, steadily climbing there. Boom. <laughs> like, it can be like two, three, four X in a week. And nothing, And when you look at the returns from that versus a bunch of lower ones, like it's one thing to go from 50 sessions to a hundred sessions. It's another to go from like 800 to 4,000. So I'm, I'm going to roll the dice and go for the three-pointer. So so basically, if you like vacationing on the beach, you should go for the, the smaller um, snippets, lo- lower search volume, long-tail queries, whatnot. But if you like skydiving, that's your ideal vacation, then you should go for the big one. I agree. And let me, before I make myself sound too cool and risk-taking, I'm terrified of heights. And <laughs> I, I get a feeling in my stomach on mall escalators. So I have to humble myself with that disclaimer before I sound like I'm a freewheeling cavalier <laughs> no, all-around person. Sublimation. It's, you just sublimate that energy into going for the big risk with feeder snippets. Who needs to skydive anymore? Go for there big you go. Snippets. There you go. All right, Balance. Nigel. Thank you so much for coming on. This is fantastically awesome. Got to have you on again. Yeah, thanks a bunch. This has been a lot of fun. It's fun to nerd out on this stuff. Nice. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. And we are back to your regularly scheduled In Search SEO podcast. He is so passionate about learning about SEO, SEO knowledge and researching. It's so refreshing. <laughs> Someone who actually like cares about learning and developing. He actually even said, you know what, let's set up a follow-up call. So we can like keep in touch. Aww, yeah, we're sweet. BFFs. <laughs> we're BFFs. So we're going to talk about you know the things we're seeing out there in the SEO world. Mm-hmm. He's a true, passionate learner of seo okay thank you okay let's take that and let's move on to the rank ranger community question of the week because that's built off the interview thank you Morgan. that i'm just explaining yeah. why okay. it's not random okay. we're doing this let me ask the question I should, oh you should you, you ask yeah. the question okay. huh Shush. i'm not okay <laughs> Shush. <laughs> okay from encino man Shush. you don't know what i'm talking about either okay keep going <laughs> encino man Shush. <laughs> oh okay um how big of a role should featured snippets play in an SEO strategy? Yeah. Yeah. Good question. Everyone's always saying featured snippets are everything. If you're not going for featured snippets, you're a freaking moron. <laughs> I don't do anything. I don't do keyword research anymore. <laughs> I just try to build featured snippets in the shed in the backyard. What is the accent? Who are you trying to I, imitate? I'm trying to Im- imitate a moron. <laughs> okay. That's what my moron sounds like. <laughs> I'm build I'm building a feature snippet Frankenstein made of lesser parts of other feature snippets in my parents' basement. So the question is a legitimate question. Where yeah. does feature snippets play a role in your SEO strategy? Because not everything is about a feature snippet and because feature snippets <clears throat> main show up on zero click searches. Right. Right, where you're not they're not gonna get clicks. 
but they're still important to have. So where does it fit in? Mm-hmm. Alrighty then. Oh, before we move on, last week's question. Last week we asked you about SEO talent. I got a blowback for this one. Um, I, we asked, I asked, because I'll take the responsibility for it. How do you extract? How do you get the most out of your SEO talent? How do you develop your team and the members on your team? And a lot of the feedback that I got, and I apologize, was, <laughs> well, this depends on the individual person, blah, 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 blah. You can't answer the general question. You have to ask something in specific. How, do you, how am I supposed to know? Each person is different. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I asked the question. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, you're right. It depends on each person. I'm asking in general. <laughs> but that was, that's the response that I got from, I'm quoting an anonymous source from our Google form, which we, if you want to answer anonymously, you can look for the Google form on the blog post at Harbors' podcast, or you can look for the Rank Ranger SEO community question on Twitter, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, on wherever. Right. Great. So I'll try to be more specific next time. You do that. Yeah. My my bad. Sheesh. It's like funny <laughs> the things I, it's funny the things that you think people are like gonna answer a million times over. Mm-hmm. And be like, yeah, I do this, I do that, I do this. And then the ones where no one says anything other than like, why are you asking this question like this? Mm-hmm. I thought this would be like everyone everyone loved. Evidently I was wrong. Evidently. Evidently. Alrighty then. So why don't you all follow us? Get it? <laughs> Why don't you all follow us? Yeah. As Sapir hits it with the news. So I'm guessing we don't have to cover the unfollow story. No, no, the no follow story. We're good. Yay. Yay. That's one. <laughs> one down. What is it? Four or five to go? Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, great. Good news for those who love to eat. Ahem, Morty. I, Google, well, me too, uh, me too. It's good news for me too. <laughs> Google's discovery feed is now showing restaurant recommendations. Yay, Yay for everybody. Yay if you're a restaurant trying to get more traffic. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, Google continues its hardline stance against bad health information being shown on the SERP by having Google ads banning experimental treatments from the syrup and beyond. Yes, I was trying to cure the common cold by eating chicken wings. That didn't work. <laughs> so didn't? that no, that was an experiment <laughs> that failed. Okay. Yep. Let's move on. Uh, Google. Uh, oh, sorry. Delicious barbecue chicken wings. That had nothing to do with my cold, but I just wanted to eat chicken wings. I'm, I'm sorry. Did I steal your thunder? Yeah. All right. Number three. <laughs> go ahead. Number three. Chicken wings. Good- <laughs> Goodbye, old version of Search Console. Google has killed access to the old search console and is redirecting users to the new version. I love when we say killed access. <laughs> Who is access and why do we kill them? <laughs> but I'm bumped. All right. Oh, number f- oh, someone number save me. four. Okay. Number four. Lastly, Google is now giving more weight to the original creator of content. Google announced that the original source of a news story will get preference on the SERP. Yes, and it's been going on for like a few months now. And Google said, hey, we've been doing this and we didn't tell you about it because we were working out the kinks of it all. You know what I have to say? I was thinking about making this like the lead segment. (laughs) What I have to say is... (laughs) You love this one. For all y'all who Mm -hmm. said, hey, the quality guidelines have nothing to do with the algorithm. I say to you, put this story in your pipe and smoke it. Oh, Oh, because what did Google do very recently with the quality rater guidelines? It said that you should look at the primary, the original, that original news stories, stories that are written that break news, that are original, should be looked at a little bit differently as having being more awesome and more good for ranking and for the web overall right and then what happens a week later google says hey <laughs> the original creators of news will rank higher and there's no correlation between the quality rater guidelines and the algorithm right wrong <laughs> wrong you are you should see morty right now he's hitting the table he's i am thrown. banking on this table <laughs> I'm not saying there's a one-to-one correlation between this and that, but I am saying that there seems to be a relationship between Google changes in the core, in the core, in the quality rater guidelines and what Google's doing algorithmically at times. Don't take my words out of context, please. Oh, Morty said every time. No, at times, like here, where Google changed the guidelines to focus more on the original news stories 
versus syndication or something like that. And then it says we changed the algorithm to do the same freaking thing. So I was right. <laughs> you were right. Banging on the table. <laughs> Editing guys freaking out. Why are you banging on the table? Because I don't know how to edit that out. <laughs> I'm so happy. Okay. Um, with my my glee, I am right. as giddy as I am as giddy as a schoolgirl. <laughs> oh, I'm so okay. happy about this. Okay. Since when are schoolgirls happy? I don't know. It's an expression. I've Is asked, it? It's an expression I heard from Captain Picard, back from Star Trek. Yeah, I don't know. Well, I don't remember when. It's part of my memories. I don't even know if it makes any sense, but that's that, that's a phrase. It it's an idiom. Okay. Okay. I'm not sure of anything atop last week's question and the social commentary that followed it. <laughs> but Sapir is going to try it again with our fun SEO send-off question. If Google was a 90s pop song, which song would it be? Does it have to be a pop song? It can be whatever you want. Like I don't, I don't like uh, besides of like Ace of Base. I don't <laughs> think I know any pop songs. I don't even know. I just you know say whatever. This comes is your question. In. You're like yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Like whatever. I, I don't just, know. I Actually, just... my answer is super lame. Go so ahead. I've, Go ahead. Uh, okay, I chose. I don't want to miss a thing by Aerosmith. You mean like the worst Aerosmith song of all the good songs? <laughs> the their only familiar song. I don't know. I don't, I don't know any other song of. And Aerosmith. why did you choose Aerosmith's <laughs> worst possible cheesiest? Most horrible song. I chose it solely for for the title. I don't want to miss a thing because Google also doesn't want to miss a thing, and you know they keep changing their algorithms and stuff. To, oh, I know, get it. Get more data. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be more accurate. <laughs> right. Right. Use better Aerosmith songs. <laughs> things like that. I don't know any other Aerosmith. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> not an excuse. Not an excuse. Steven Tyler is dying in his Botox right now. Okay. <laughs> I chose. I know his daughter. She like played. you know her personally? No, no. <laughs> oh, you mean you? Because it's funny. It's I like know who she is. That's like when sports fans say, "Hey, yeah, we won the game. Yeah, you sat on your couch with your hands in your pants eating potato chips, and you saying you won the game. You didn't do anything, dude." Yeah, I know. I know. Liv Tyler. We hang out all the time. When I go to Netflix, we're both there together. You don't know her. I I just said you know I, of her right. I said it, but you didn't listen to me. I was listening. No, you weren't. I you were listening to yourself because you <laughs> like to hear yourself speaking. My answer. <laughs> don't hurt me with truth. <laughs> My answer is "Runaway Train" by Soul Asylum. I have no never heard idea. No. Nope. Most sad music video ever. Ever. Okay. Yeah, and I chose it because. For those folks who think that Google is a runaway train, which is an idiom for like they're <laughs> they're like off the rails, doing crazy things, uh, going too far. Okay. Not that I think that, usually. <laughs> but some people do. <gasps> okay. And their song would be Soul Asylum's Runaway Train. Okay. Yeah? Right. It's Great. Your, your answer is even lousier than See mine. you next yeah. Tuesday yeah, on next another week. version of the In Search <laughs> SEO podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Do not forget it's In Search because we're all in search of something like good Aerosmith songs. Thank you so much. Take care now. Bye. Thank you.